Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint, as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another beer-tastic voyage. And now for something completely different. I'm Justin. I'm Mark. And this is Andrew. I guess. And today we're <laughs> drinking mead instead of beer. <laughs> we do this to all the guests. We, uh, we we don't tell them anything about our intro. The funny part is I know you don't listen, so you didn't know. <laughs> the best part is Greg listens, okay. and he screwed it up. All right. And then he thought we were going to do a retake. He's like, we're just going to start <laughs> and over, he's like, right? oh, I messed it up. We're going to start over, right? I'm like, no, this so, is all staying in. All, all, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no net, my friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, what are we doing? I said we're drinking mead. Oh, we are? We're drinking mead. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, so, for, thanks for having me on and, and you know, sharing in some, some awesome meads uh, that, I, uh, that were donated. Most of them were donated. That's super cool that people donated mead for us. Yeah, every you know, there's um, you know, the 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 New York State meaderies are you know they have like a Google group together that they kind of all communicate with. Oh. You know, I just kind of put it out to them. I, I did the same thing. So um, you know, uh, so HomebrewCon was recently in in uh, at the end of uh, you know at the end of June last week of June, and um, as uh, um, the American Bee Makers Association had a had a uh, like a bottle share, and you know I just put it out to the like the the entire uh organization and we got like you know 14 different meteries sent like like 12 bottles you know each moonlight metery gave us like 1500 dollars worth of mead well, yeah he had the utopia was that was the utopia yeah, mead, right? utopia yeah yeah, yeah that i it was like 125 150 bucks a bottle he went through to like 12 of them <laughs> yeah yeah i heard it was pretty ridiculous yeah it was not it was cool you know people are people are super super awesome and su- it's super friendly um so yeah, I just put an email out to to the, the you know New York State meteries and a bunch of them send stuff, which is really cool. All right, so to uh, now that we know that, let's to introduce Andrew properly. Andrew is the former uh, president of LIBME, current education director for LIBME, um, communication director for American Meme Makers Association. Is that your title? Uh, no, I sit on the home governing committee. Home governing committee of the American Meme Makers Association. Okay. Is there any other anything else I'm missing other than the fact that you're an advanced Cicerone and a uh, grandmaster, uh, grandmaster two now, Judge? Uh, I well, I also do. Um, um, I'm assistant communications director for the Beer Judge Certification Program. Okay, cool. So if you um, get drunk, you can thank Andrew. Essentially, he's, he's <laughs> both mead, everything, covered all your bases on, on Long Island. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe on Long Island. Maybe on Long Island. Okay. <laughs> well, we primarily speak to Long Island, so they can all thank you. If you see Andrew, you have to bow. <laughs> just, just, or, or just by me. Say thank you, sir, for your service. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, just before this, we actually made a mead. Yeah. Right. Right. So we just, yeah. Um, so you know, basically, you know, as I was saying in the in the video where we were making this mead, that um, about a, a, a year ago. So one of the things that LIBME does is we have a yearly mead competition, and um, sitting down to do best to show, whereas where you pick the the top three meads out of the entire competition. Um, I ran across this varietal that I, w- I never heard of, which is called uh, yeah, Harry Vetch uh, uh, Honey. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. I thought it was a joke at first when the person told me. It sounded <laughs> like some <laughs> kind of 70s porn or something like that. Yeah, it, does, it does sound like that. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, all right. And then we tried it, and it was phenomenal. So the mead was made uh, by a guy named Warren Earl. Warren Earl is considered by a lot of people. Like When you name, when you name like the top five like home mead makers in the country, like his, his name is usually in that mix. Um and he is on um, he's he's on uh, Modern Mead Makers, the Facebook group, and he posts a lot. And he uh, so anyway, his mead was one of the ones that we tasted. It was the uh, second second up best of show, and it was phenomenal. We were all talking about it afterwards, and I had been talking with a lot of people about this, you know, Harry Vetch, you know, honey varietal. 
and um, the American Mead Makers Association, one of the things that they, they do is they have these awesome discounts every month. You know, it's really worth it to become a member. It's not just for commercial meaderies. The American Mead Makers Association is also for home mead makers, and they have amazing discounts every every single month. Um, in one month, it came up that this Eureka Farms, which is where uh, Warren got his uh, his um, where he got his uh, the the honey from, was they were doing a special. It was like twenty five percent off, you know. So I, so I bought a bucket of it, and then at the same time, Warren posted his recipe, and I was like, "Hey, how convenient!" Yeah, right. At the same time that we were talking <laughs> about doing this, all happened within like a month, you know, the same month that we're like, "Hey, let's do a meat episode," or I bugged you guys to like, "Hey, why don't you do a meat episode?" You know? Yeah, you had to twist hard on that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's 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 the recipe that we made, and I'm really super excited about it. Yeah, if you uh, want to see the process, there'll be a uh, a video of you know every all the steps that we did, and this was the first part of it. So the first right. part was creating the must and adding the pitching the yeast. Yeah, and the which is actually oddly enough. Um, way more complicated than most uh, especially home brewers would think um not super complicated but it's there's more steps to it than you know what you those those two parts for a home brewer like the beginning and the end make no big deal for this there's a little more attention to detail you can see all that detail and then we're going to do another video on back sweetening and then we're going to drink it yeah you know meat is very different from from beer um you know one of the things is that um uh you know we had the um uh the head cider maker uh and owner um on coal from um original sin uh cidery in as a guest speaker for LIBME and I remember someone asked them and they're like uh you know what's the first piece of advice you want to give to a, a home brewer when making cider and he goes uh forget everything you know about home brewing you know that's <laughs> the first thing he says and 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 some of that is kind of somewhat somewhat true with with mead making you know as well you know one of the things I remember the one of the first mead classes I did years ago um, one of the people who was in the class later became a head brewer at one of the, one of the, one of the breweries on Long Island here. And I showed him the initial steps of the, the first step of, you know, up to fermentation of meat. And he's like, that's it. And I was like, I was like, well, yeah, at first, you know, like, I think a lot of people don't realize like when, when beer is done fermenting, like that's it, you know what I mean? For the most part, you know, maybe if you're adding spices or something like that, or if it's a sour, you're blending it. But most of the time, like your finished product is your finished product and you're done. Where with, with mead making, the ongoing process of fermentation and post-fermentation, there's a lot of, there's a lot of skill in that. Um, and that's, that's really where more of the difficulty comes in. And that's one of the things I enjoy about it most about it, the adjustments that you're making um, after fermentation. You know, it's very the, So uh, for the National Homebrew Competition, so two years in a row, um, which is unprecedented, this guy named Michael Wilcox has won both, both years. Um, and one of the things that he is... Uh, um, uh, very adept at and probably one of the best in the country is is a blending you know blending meads and adjusting meads and adjust he was also a cider maker of the year last year as well and a lot of his stuff is blended afterwards so he ferments it out and then he kind of blends it together and then adjusts it with acid or or adding more honey or whatever tannins and yeah. what have you exactly and that's and that's really super palate based you know you have to have a great palate and you also have to have an idea of how the product is going to change how your your you know how's the meat going to change after you add those things not only like at that moment but a week from now two weeks from now a month from now as well a lot of that comes with experience and stuff like that well even just to taste it initially yeah and be able to identify what it's lacking yeah right so taste it identify what it's lacking and then you're also using you know the readings you have you know, with it as well. So maybe, you know, you know, you're measuring pH or measuring total acidity or, um, you know, you, you know, what's the percentage, what's the alcohol percentage. I mean, these are all things that kind of go into play in my mind, you know, when a, when a mead finishes, you know what I mean? 
you know, so it's like, okay, so it has, you know, it's X amount of ABV and I want to add some peppers to it, but you know, the, you know, uh, uh, capsian could, you know, elevate some of those rougher alcohol notes. So, you know, I want to make sure that balances out the sweetness that is residual, uh, you know, enough in the meat. These are all things that kind of go through your brain, you know what I mean? As you're, as you're, you know, you're kind of figuring out. It's very much like cooking or recipes and stuff like that. I find it super interesting. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. It's like a chef. You can taste as you go and kind of season as you go, whereas with beer, you can make a plan, know yeah. what everything kind of tastes like together, but until you're done, and then once you're done, there's not a lot you're going to do unless yeah. you're fruiting it or spicing the, the beer or blending to, uh, to change it. Yeah, it was, and I always found that super, super irritating with beer. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, so I'm making this style of beer, and like I wasn't looking at the clock, and I missed that hop edition by 10 minutes. It's like, Oops, you know, like this. It's over. Is, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Where you know, me. There's a lot more. You know, it's a lot more spaced out, and there's a lot more thought that you can kind of give give to the process. Like it's not. It's never over until it's until you until it's over. You know, barring like an infection, which almost never happens, or unless it's like really super fusel alcohol. You know, you, there's there's a lot you can do to kind of adjust it and, and, and make it pretty awesome. That's what one of the things, biggest things I came away with from Homercon going to those meat panels was exactly how much you can do to something afterwards. Yeah. Um. It's you know. Very interesting and intriguing. I'll have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make. I'm definitely gonna make more more meads. I'm gonna try to do some one gallon batches and play with it. Yeah, and and and, and yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I and mean, the other thing that's great about it is that you know making a one gallon batch or making a ten gallon batch. You know, like I've done both. Um, you know, and it's you you could do it. It's not it's not it's not really a, you know a big deal. If you're gonna make a one gallon batch, you can go get one of those one gallon jug fermenters, and. Um, you know, one of the things you have to do with 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 mead making is you, you degas it. And what I found is that you know, like the the, the honey bears, like the, with the, those yellow caps, yeah, that, that fits exactly on a one gallon carboy. You know, one gallon jug. Oh, the cap, the cap does. So I screw it on there and I shake it and I just pop the cap. Pop the cap, let the gas out. On. Yeah, shake it, oh, pop it. That's let interesting. The gas out. Yeah, and you can get you can get also like little. I have like a little thief. Um, you know, it's like a little glass thief. That it's like it's made specifically for like the one gallon, gallon jugs. Yeah, yeah, I have a like a tiny little yeah. mini siphon. Yeah, right, right. That's exactly it. You know what I mean? So, um, just find a friend that drinks really crappy wine in, in gigantic containers, <laughs> and you got yourself everything you need to make to make wine. Mark, you know anybody? Like yeah, that? do we know anyone? <laughs> I do. I haven't spoken to him in a while. But. Mark, you should, actually, we should might want to we might want to uh, dial dial a friend there and uh, get some more of those. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any more use for it. No. I mean, I've got four. You have four. I have four. I don't, I don't need any more than four. Um, <laughs> yeah, so call up your father-in-law and go, yeah. go get a go get the the, the one gallon. Yeah, find uh, your local hobo by the train station. <laughs> grab grab one of those. <laughs> your one gallon jug of Ripple, and uh, now you can make some meads in there. So you you brought us a ridiculous assortment of meads. Um, I had to tone it down too. There was, there was like a lot of debate going on. What should I bring and what should I not bring? So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You mean. You you came with less more alcohol content, but less bottles than Brian Bennett. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is still saying something. But we all, we did all sours with Brian, so <laughs> he didn't bring any like you know any any uh, imperial stouts or any 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 super death. But yeah, yeah we're gonna. You, you got to wonder what like you know I always picture like his his beer cellar being like that last scene of like National Treasure where they like put the torches <laughs> yeah. on and it just goes back forever. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's very accurate. I haven't I haven't seen it in person. I've only been to uh, to, to station two of Brian's house, which is Don's basement. But uh, yeah, and someone who regularly gets rid of like you know like oh. Uh, I have to get rid of like, you know, twelve bottles out of clip. You know, when I go to places and stuff like that. You know, you, you could literally call up and go, "I'm having a fundraiser for like, right. you know, for children." He'll be like, "Okay, here's thirty six bottles." Yeah, no, he's yeah. he's insanely he's insanely generous. Yeah, you know, to, to to his credit, you know, I mean, 
It's very generous. And he's in, he's into it, so it's, yeah. it's, it's he helpful. It. He like he enjoys why you know drinking it with people and talking about it. Boy, yeah. I think that's oh, the thing yeah, he likes definitely. the most. The social aspect. Yeah, of it. for sure. When I met him years ago, he used that business cards that said Pallet Wrecker. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. He used to hand them out. We got to get him. We, that's what we should have put that on his uh, his ass lick shirt. We should have put Pallet Wrecker right on there. I'll see if I can get that from him. <laughs> Hopefully, people know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, anybody who listens to us, they they, they know it's right. Association of Lyle and Homebrew Clubs. Okay, we're not we're not bashing on Brian, though. You know, not trying to you know to say anything about his prowess in that area. He's an ass licker. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, which one of these delicious things should we should we open first when we continue? Um, well, yeah. Uh, conversation? So, so one of the things, one of the other th- great things about mead. Um. So a lot of people when they think of mead, they think like, oh, it's sweet because it has honey, right? And and it's not. Um. Well, it can be, but it cannot be as well. Um, also, people think it's really high alcohol, um, you know, because uh, obviously the more honey you're going to add to it, the more, um, you know, the more high the alcohol is going to be. But so I got two different session meads here, um, draft, you know, the Colm session meads, draft meads. Um, one of them is from Slate Point Meadery uh, from New York, right? They're, they're awesome and they, they, they can a lot of their stuff. Um, they have a lot of really great sessionable stuff here. Um, so uh, this one is a, a draft mead um, with, uh, with lemon. All right, so why don't we why don't we start with this? So so this is this is Slate Point Meadery, um, out of New York, and, and you, again you can go and get this stuff if you want. You know, yeah, you can drive to a lot of these places uh, if you live on Long Island, but you can also go on Vino Shipper. You know, go to, just go to their website, and you can you can all the stuff will get shipped to you. Yeah, if you live in New York and other states at least, right? Yeah, so if you want to buy like a twelve pack of these, you know these cans, you know you can you can do that and you can get it shipped to you. And I, and I really highly recommend recommend doing that. You know. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the liquor stores are not um, stocking this stuff, which I think is a shame. Um, they're really missing out on a market for it, but they will—you know—they will be eventually. You know, like I, I said to you guys, I say this a lot. That mead really reminds me where like the craft beer scene was, you know, twelve, thirteen years ago. And then, I mean, so like Sable Beverage, I'll just give them a shout out. Like they have—they carry Moonlight Meadery stuff. Like that's that, good. That's the first place that I ever saw like Moonlight Meads yeah. to purchase. And I was like, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, Bell- Bellport Cold Beer and Soda. They have Colony and they have um, uh, they have Bee Nectar, you know, as well. They might have some other ones. You know. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, draft mead is a, um, it's kind of a newer thing in mead, right? The idea of doing doing a draft mead. You know, the thing is, everything is like a newer thing in mead. You know what I mean? Just, just what people are doing with it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, but it's a newer thing, like a sessionable, you know, 6%, you know, 6.5%, uh, you know, draft mead. Um you know, beer style meads or something that's also really new and kind of interesting. That's uh, basically, you know, some of the things you can do. You dry hop a mead. You can also... Uh, well, you can take a mead and yeah. make it, like, yeah, make it into, taste like a beer. Right. You know, I've had it. So Melavino is, is you know, um, probably the most famous for doing it and probably one of the, one of the, one of the, the pioneers in doing it. Um, I mean, I've, I've gone to his, I've gone to, to his tasting room and I've had like Whitbeer beers and um, IPA, I mean, Whitbeer meads and IPA meads and they, they taste like a Whitbeer and they taste like an IPA. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Thanks. That is pretty pretty cool. I didn't know that it went so deep as to being being like a whip beer or something like that. I, I yeah. didn't. I wasn't aware. No, it's exactly like it. Yeah. Because I had. Um. I think it's key, from uh, WAB Works. I think I had. A, it's keeping it lindy number three yeah. is a dry hopped. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I enjoyed it. It's. I think that. Um. It's a different animal. Yes. You know what I mean? That's one of those things where, like, if you're sitting there and you're sampling other things on the board and you hit that, yeah. it's going to kind of come out of left field. Yeah. No. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting stuff, right? So this is carbonated, obviously. Right, so it's it's six and a half percent. I don't know what the I don't know what the uh, the the base uh, uh, honey style is. Um, I don't know if they say it on there, like clove or something like that. 
but anyway, so um, yeah, so this is also you know it's it's carbonated, um, so really you really know, super effervescent, right? You get a lot of like the lemony notes in there. It is clover blossom honey. Clover blossom, yeah, that's what it's smelling. Yeah, the um, uh, the lemon character on it. It's, it's also got sort of a ginger like note to it too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say yeah, it definitely has a little bit of spiciness, uh, you know, spiciness in there, and that could be some of the maybe some of the phenolics coming off uh, uh, coming off uh, the 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 yeast, depending on the yeast that he used. Um, but you also get to like a nice, really background the the background floral kind of geranium, uh, you know, uh, honey note uh, to it. You know, flower shop. You know, oh, very much. It's very, yeah. very floral. Yeah, right. And the lemon kind of drops out a little bit, and then it's really more the the honey's more more kind of prominent, kind of builds, which I, I really like. It's really nice. Yeah, this is. I mean, I, when you say lemon, especially to me, and I mean, I think to Mark to, to at least some extent, I hate lemon. But I think the the sweet uh, sweetness that the honey provides, like the backbone for the lemon, it's like an, a, giving it acid to sweet. It tastes good. Yeah, well, you, you know, it's it, you want to be careful with it because it's like the the honey flavor. So first of all, you can't smell acid. You can't smell you can't smell sweet, right? Those are those are those are tastes, right? Um, but the honey character is giving balance to 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 those things. So when you try this, you guys are both probably everybody's probably thinking this is this is pretty dry. Yeah, you know, or the the it's a it's perceived dry. You know, and that's that's. You know, and that's for for a couple of things. You know, it, it probably is relatively dry. Also, the carbonation is carbon. You know, uh, uh, um, you know, imparting carbonic acid, which is going to to up the perceived dryness. You know, and depending on how the lemon was added to this as well. You know, you can, yeah, that would be interesting. Thick, to, interesting to know. The, if it's lemon peel, it could be some tannins going on that. It tastes like a melted lemon ice. Huh. Yeah. It just says natural lemon flavor. There you go. Like it. There's no way you ordered something with a shark head. I know. But it was like lemon, uh, lemon ice, like warm on top, and that's what this tastes like. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I, I've never had that specific thing, but it does have that like lemon lemon ice quality, especially like if you had the, I don't know, the the, the traditional uh, um, Italian ones in the yellow packaging with the yeah. green letters. You flipped it over, and the bottom Marino's was like that. Yeah. Yeah. When you flip it over, the bottom is like pure ice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. There's some buried in the chest freezer. I'm sure. I think everybody has one of those in the back of their back of their freezer. You know. Um So this is super. You know, again, super refreshing. Super. You know, you could bring this to the beach. You know, you bring a six pack to this, you know to the beach, or you know, you're going to a friend's boat. You know, going fishing or whatever. You know what I mean? This is something. It's a mead. You know, but it's it's six and a half percent. It's carbonated. You know, it's very effervescent. It's uh, it's it's crisp. It's you know, it, you know, it reminds me of. Uh, you know, like the Zimas and stuff from back in the day. Like, sure. I mean, not in, in the quality of it, just the application of it. It's a higher quality sure. version of something like that. You know, Zima. Yeah. Were they bringing Zima back for a while? They, yeah, they were. I think they realized that it was a really, really bad idea. <laughs> I think when the internet the internet made its reaction, it was kind of like, nope. Yeah, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring a time machine back to the 90s, man. <laughs> they might as well just re- release uh, Pepsi Clear again. I think they did. I'm sure they did. <laughs> I have to show up in my uh, Michael J. Fox uh, self-tying shoes and buy it. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to make some reference to uh, Van Halen. From where? From the 90s? Yeah, because when they released Crystal Pepsi, initially, Van Halen was like... Oh, the spokesperson yeah. for it? Oh, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Da- David Lee Roth was like the face of Crystal Pepsi when it first came out. No. Really? I yeah. Didn't, didn't, I did so not know be, that. I, I figured that'd be the Sammy Hagar years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So his, 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 Maybe I'm confused, but... His, no. later, his later tequila ex... Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Well, his tequila is supposed to be fantastic. I have no idea if it yeah, actually is. Sure. Cabo, whatever. Wabo. Cabo Wabo or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all for right. All, for all you Sammy Hagar fans out there, like, go run and get it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I got to. one of you. I'll be at home drinking my Crystal Skull vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. <laughs> Psycho. Um, so we have another draft meet, right? Yes, yeah, so we got another one. Um, let's, uh, yeah. Let's let's do this one. This is so for this is Long Island's only meadery, um, current meadery. Um, so WA Meadworks. Uh, so so we should probably kind of segue into one of the other reasons why uh, yes. I wanted to come here. One hundred percent. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> so Read my mind. August third. Um, we're we're WA Meadworks, uh, Lindenhurst Chamber of Commerce, and uh, myself um, with help from uh, uh, Starfish Junction. Is that August third? There'll be uh, Long Island's first Mead Fest. Right, uh, so there's um, eight different meteries. There's like five different home homebrew clubs. Um, there's two different um, uh, 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 mead distributors um, as well. We're gonna have the Long Island Beekeepers there. We're gonna have Sands Honey, which is a honey producer from uh, from Pennsylvania there as well. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It'll be the most mead that you're gonna get on Long Island in one place, literally ever. Yeah, you know. You're also going to be able to sample uh, three of the clubs. Will be the three local clubs that we always talk about: hang, uh, hand grenades, LIBME, and beer. Mm-hmm. And both Mark and I will have a mead there. Please drink it for us because we will not be there. Yes, you will not find us there. We will be uh, with uh, Kevin on uh, it's uh, a birth, a very important birthday party. You sound thrilled. No, I am. I mean, it'd be fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have fun either way. I mean, yeah. You know, I'm getting drunk either way, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mostly upset because I won't be there when you taste my concoction. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, you keep you keep pumping this up. You know what I mean. Well, it was fermented at 100 degrees. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then soured. And then soured. All right. All right. Yes. Um, now, when you're listening to this, August 3rd, if you're too drunk to to know, is literally going to be two days away. Um, so you'll be uh, you should go and get tickets if they're still available. I know the VIP tickets are toast, which yeah. is which is sad, but um, you know for the people who haven't gotten them. Uh, but it, yeah, I would highly recommend going. It's going to be a hell of a time. Live music, food trucks, um, the gazebo area um, in Lindenhurst is going to be open to sit down and kind of relax. There's point of sale purchases, so you can you can actually buy mead from from the from the vendors that are there now, it's consumption offsite right but you could buy a bunch of bottles and, and take them home with you so like you don't want to pay that shipping fee and you you want to get mead from uh, any of the local meaderies around this area like you could buy it right there you know what i mean yeah i mean and for the ticket you're gonna be able to sample <clears throat> just like a uh, beer festival you're gonna be able to sample all you want yeah and then right next door is gonna be ales on rails yeah and that's the a there's ales by the rails i always say on for some reason um, you don't want to be on the actual rails, especially not while you're drinking. So that's gonna that's a uh, a festival that is a pay as you go beer thing. So that's separate, but you could wander over there and purchase uh, a beer if you wanted to, if you yeah. want to combine you know forces with people and, and show up. But there'll be two great events going on at the same time. But the the um, the meet event is ticketed, so you may have to make sure you get uh, tickets before you go. Yeah, it's in the, in the it's in uh, the Lindenhurst. Um, town uh square and gazebo um, go down wellwood till you hit the tracks yeah or if you're you can take the long island railroad if you want as well and right. the, the the lindenhurst stop is a five minute walk you know from from there as well but yeah live music food trucks um it's gonna be a lot of fun what time to start one uh yeah so the vip session which is sold out um uh starts at one o'clock okay but you could still i mean you want to go early and, and you want to do uh ales by the rails 
Uh, you can do that too. So yeah, so this next one, uh, this is another uh, draft mead from WA Meadworks, which does a lot of draft meads. They're in Lindenhurst, um, and they, they they make phenomenal phenomenal meads. This one's raspberry and strawberry, and this again is uh, um, about about six and a half percent, and it's also put some for you, wife. Yeah, I did that already. Yeah, slightly Go carbonated, ahead. right? Yeah, it's not carbonated quite as much as the last one, but I think no. that uh, I actually think it, it, it it's appropriate. Yeah. You know, so you know this one is very fruit forward, right? So you get a lot of the strawberry, you know, kind of up front, right? You know, yeah, the strawberries actually, oddly enough, that's the fruit that I get the most of. I mean, yeah. it's such such a hard fruit to get in beer, at least that it's like kind of impressive how much strawberry you actually got on the nose, in particular. Yeah, so definitely those secondary notes of raspberry are are, are kind of picking up um, after that initial strawberry uh, character. Get a little bit of perfumey alcohol, you know, in there. You know, kind of rose-like a little bit. This is definitely one of my favorite ones that they do. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I like this one quite a bit. This Of the lower ABV ones, this is one of my one of my favorites. Yeah. When I go there, for, I tend to I tend to drink this still higher alcohol ones, but um, I always end up, drink, end up having that before I go. Yeah, this one finishes, and it's not... The other one was pretty dry, um, you know, and a little bit more, like, cleaner, crisper. This one is definitely you know off dry, maybe even almost a semi sweet. So there's a little bit more body to it, um, a little bit more you you know coating residual sugar, you know uh, you know as well. Um, so this is this is kind of a great mead because it 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 to me it tastes more like a ten or eleven uh, you know a wine ten or eleven twelve percent wine strength mead that's six and a half percent. You know so you're like okay so I want more something like kind of like a wine strength mead, but I want something that's you know still kind of crushable. Um, you know that you can drink drink a lot of you know and this this is that you know yeah it um the body definitely helps give this the berry sensation you know because it gives you more yeah. of that um what you think of when you think of uh, almost like a jam not that sick yeah. but towards that end compared yeah. to especially compared to the last one yeah it's definitely for the berry the berry character is definitely fresh like a fresh berry character to me yeah it's very bright it, very fresh and it definitely uh that's the impression that lingers on your palate after you take a sip is, yep. the, is the fruit. Yes. Yeah. That's this one. The um, So what? just to qualify, a draft mead, they're always carbonated, and they tend to be lower ABV. What what ABV range would you say that, that tends to uh, yeah. tends well, to be in? Well, first, they're not always carbonated. Okay. Um, a lot of times they are. Um, you know, Well, I don't even say a lot of times they are. They can be, but it's, you know, I think people tend to make Draft style meads carbonated, so they just give the quality of being um, more easy to drink, you know, more refreshing, which is, I think, kind of what they're going for. But they don't have to be. Um, but, you know, typically, I mean, they can be, it, it can be all over the place, you know what I mean? So, uh, Melavino, um, they do, uh, uh, jam, I think it's called Jam Session. They do this berry mead that you would have no idea. I think it's like 4.5% or something like that. Wow. And you have no idea. You, you drank it, I gave it to you, and I told you it was like 14%. Like just the, the the just the amount of flavor and the amount of body that it has, like it's 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 awesome. Uh, it's, one, it's one of my favorites from around the area here. Yeah, yeah I mentioned I, you've mentioned that before. I think I may have even had it, but I think it was at a point in whatever bottle share or beer share was going on that I couldn't possibly have appreciated it. Yeah, <laughs> it gets to that point of the evening sometimes. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> now, Mark, can tell people about the little more about the mead that you made for the uh, for the event. 
Uh, yeah, so... You've definitely, you might have heard this before, but I need to hear it again. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying from the beginning, like, I'm not trying to make the best mead. I'm just trying to make the weirdest shit that I possibly can. And I've definitely confused some people when they're like, oh, what'd you do? I'm like, I made an umeboshi. And they're like, oh, is that some kind of boshe? I'm like, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so, you know, I took the, uh, the what did we get, 15 pounds? 10. 10 pounds of uh, clover honey. Dissolved that in some water. Added uh, some umi plum tea to it. Fermented it with two different strains of quake at, uh, you know, 96 degrees for like three days, roughly. And then uh, I let it, you know, finish chugging along until the, the quake was basically done fermenting it. I then racked it into, uh, you know, my one of my sour buckets, and added a small one-gallon sour mead starter to it, and also blended in a pound of umiboshi puree. So I'm trying to nail like a nice uh, salty sour and sweet combination on it. Cool. And umiboshi is a uh, fermented plum, basically. It's a preserved plum. Okay. I don't think they're technically fermented. Okay. Yeah. It's like a salted plum, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, I tried to make. I actually tried to make a mead, a mead like that once. Yeah, I got. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like briny. Well, one of the one one note is that uh, so there's really four team meads that could win because I've already been informed that Britannomyces is not allowed inside WA Mead Works. Oh, okay. So there's fourteen. So there's one. There's one down. I'm probably <laughs> two down because I remember while I think my mead is drinkable and not useful alcohol, I don't think it's phenomenal. Okay. All right. Um. So so there's basically thirteen people that could possibly possibly win this. Yeah, you know we're gonna do it every year, and and one of the things that I wanted to do this with is is so this is like the first time you guys are doing it. But knowing the two of you, by the time you do it next year, you're gonna to want to you know maybe you know like the, the amount of research and the amount of refinement you're gonna do, and that and that's really what I'm trying to kind of get get you know get people to do right. I'm trying to get more home brewers making home mead, you know, which in turn is gonna have more home mead judges, which in turn will maybe make more meaderies eventually, because that's that's what happened with the craft beer scene. Oh, big time! You know, you look at LBME and it's like you know, uh, like twelve or fourteen of the the breweries on Long Island came from our former members. You know, right? So, yeah, basically just trying to uh, up the mead scene on Long Island. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know, being part of the American Mead Makers Association. That's that's my goal. You know what I mean? It's it's um, you know, the fact that we have sixty different you know wine producers, you know, but only one meadery seems seems nuts to me. Yeah, you know, they. If you own a winery, I mean, you are licensed to make mead. You, your fermenters and your equipment is not being used for, you know, you know, 10, 10 months out of the year. Like, I don't understand that, you know. Fill it with some, like, fill it with a draft mead like this. People will love it. On top of the fact that they, they tend to have the land to even, you know, you know, have an apiary set up where they could, you know, potentially even have their own honey if they wanted to reduce cost yeah, for maybe. everything. Maybe. You know I mean, you know, again, if they wanted to go all the, you know, all the way with it, if they were concerned about purchasing honey, which they probably won't be anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm kind of hoping will happen. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, I mean, all, all of the infrastructure is in place on Long Island. You know, you have a, a great craft beer community. You have a lot of wineries, um, you know, in place, and I, I, I think that Long Island could be a, a major, major. I mean, look, if, if 
if a quarter of the meaderies, if a quarter of the wineries started producing mead, and you started, and you also at the same time start seeing the explosion of of home of 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 meaderies that we've had with craft beer, you know, Long Island would be by far the biggest mead destination in the world. Like nothing would even come close to it. You know what I mean? Is there anything like that now, like in the United States? Is there, you know, or is it they just sort of scattered about? I know there's like, it's like New Hampshire. I know has has a fair bit, or Vermont rather. Vermont, I think, has a fair bit. One of yeah, those Michigan, you know, Michigan as well. You know, Lower New York, and we were getting there. You know, you know, in 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 New York as well. You know, but you know, New York's a big state, right? You know, but yeah, there's you know, there's there's you know, eight or nine of them in New York alone. Um, if you you know, from Long Island to Brooklyn to to Lower New York, you know, there's there's uh four or five it's you know considering they're probably all within the last what five to eight years five to eight i mean other than i mean eight ten mead works was the first one i mean other than them i mean most of them in like the last two to three. Oh, really yeah wow that's you know you're right they can see the see the growth yeah all right what do we got what do we got next on our, our board of so death let's do another uh another session mead so this is again by slate point i really like these guys you know um uh you know they do a lot of really interesting stuff, and their meads are always very super killer. Um, you know, I like the cans too. But this one, uh, this is a six percent, so this is actually less than the last one we tried. That that kind of lemony spritzy one, but this one is I'm assuming is a boche. Uh, it's caramelized honey with toasted cocoa nibs, um, with vanilla and some caramel in it as well, right? So this is such this is so this is another one of those draft meads that I'm assuming is probably meant to taste more like a wine strength mead. I mean, so, so the draft meads really kind of fall into that. One, like, light and refreshing or um, low APV but tastes like, you know, um, has a lot of really complex flavor to it. For, you know, I find them kind of fall, falling a lot into those categories and stuff like that. So a boche is just, uh, it, it's a similar process, but you're uh, boiling the honey? Yeah, you're caramelizing the, uh, caramelizing the honey. Okay. Yeah, you know, so the, you, before you add water to it. Yeah, I... I Pretty sure Mark did that and, and almost killed himself, right? Yeah, it's basically something yeah, like I, well, lava. I was only very badly burned. <laughs> right. So if you're gonna try that if you're gonna try to to boil honey at home, like just know that you need like five times the amount of volume um than it is because it, it foams up super super yeah, high. You 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 have to stir it constantly to yeah. fight the foam back, basically. And if any of the foam gets on you, it's basically like napalm. You yeah, know what I mean? because it's right because it's boiling sugar, which is much hotter than boiling water, and it sticks to you. So in this case, you should fear the foam. Yes. <laughs> wow, yeah. man! Did you get I get marshmallow like yeah. big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like toast the marshmallow. You know, secondary notes of those the the cacao nibs. You know, definitely like those chocolatey chocolate. Yeah, nibs. that's definitely in there. You know, and then and then kind of backing it all up, you get a little bit more of that that, that floral honey character. Um, yeah, it is know, pretty amazing when I think about it, when it, like you know I smell it and I think about it. it. Yeah, the fact that the honey is still there, you know, the, the honey is very present. Yeah. You know, you talk like you see in the can. You're you, the only thing you're thinking about it are the um, the adjuncts that are added to it and those extra flavors. But the honey really is what holds all those together. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, you you should be able to tell. So, like, I I, I wrote this article about about judging mead. Um, where I, I interviewed, you know, the the probably the best known commercial mead makers in the country and and, and home mead judges, and I remember one of the things that that Ken Tram said to me is, is like like you should know the difference between fruit wine and like a melomel. You know what I mean? Like you should know the difference between that. Like you should know the difference between you know um, you know uh, cherries that have been fermented with with you know Domino's sugar and water, <laughs> and cherries that have been added. <laughs> 
you know, that had been added to, to honey. You know, there is a difference. There's a big difference. Yeah, it's know. basically, you know, it's not Pruno, essentially. You're not yeah. making it a toilet. It did a stainless steel toilet. No, no, you're not. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not going to get a shiv for... Uh, I, uh, do, I do also have to point out that the, uh, the logo for this particular mead is a moose wearing a bowler hat, and it has a monocle. This yeah. is a badass uh, um, can label. It's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So this one though what's kind of interesting though is like with the, the so the acidity is pretty high on this. I would say the acidity is probably medium high um on this which uh you know very citrusy citrusy uh you know acid. Yeah, it's definitely uh slightly puckering in the finish. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of balanced. You know, so like when you think of like, you know, caramelized sugar and you think of like chocolate, you think of more sweet, but this is really more acidity, you know, uh acidity balanced which kind of it gives kind of play an interesting play off those flavors. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it enhances the the uh, perception of the cacao nibs a lot. It is tasty, but it's definitely one of those beverages where like the flavor on the palate doesn't really line up with the expectation based on the aroma. No, no, yeah, I think you you know, and and, and that's kind of a thing with meat in general. That when people smell it, oh, this smells like honey, and then you taste it, and they they think it 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 sh- and they like oh this is sweet, and you're like no it's not, like no no it, it you know it's sweet, and you're just like no it's it's not. I know it smells like honey, <laughs> but that you know so people do that association. We've there, talked about that. There's that, literally zero residual sugar. Yeah, you know, and it, it's it's really the power of suggestion on that. You know, one of the things I you know I talk about is uh, um, you know uh, John Stossel, that that reporter guy. Um, who was like, doesn't he like sexually harassment or something like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, like years ago, like someone showed me a, a special that he did um, where he took people and he gave them vanilla ice cream and uh, they dyed it red and they told them all it was strawberry ice cream. And um, everybody had to rate the amount of strawberry that they tasted and they were all like eight, nine, you know, seven, you know. And then he revealed to them all that it was strawberry ice, that it was actually just vanilla ice cream. They dyed red, and they didn't believe him. And they didn't believe, and some of them didn't believe him. They're like, yeah. "No, I'm still definitely getting strawberry in this." And it's like, "No, I just dyed red vanilla." And he like showed them, you know. Well, I mean, that's we we proved that with our nacho beer because everybody kept asking us, "How did we get the cheese flavor?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my favorite thing. My favorite response was your fucking imagination. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, but they 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 do. You know what I mean? That's and that's yeah, and that's something else that gets goes into mead making that you have to take into account. Yeah. You know, everybody, I mean, I tell you, like, people are like, oh, mead, that's really sweet, right? Like, no, it is, it can be, you know what I mean? It definitely can be, but, like, in general, the ones that I make, you know, I, I finish them dry. Yeah. Because I prefer those. Yeah, I think I like, I mean, again, I think I like it somewhere in the middle. Um, The, the meads that are really sweet, like, it, I mean, it really they almost upset my stomach like and that's weird for me to say because i'm basically a human garbage can <laughs> uh, nothing bothers my stomach ever and that's one of those things that definitely can like you know the, the meads that are super sweet they I, I can't have i have like this much of it and i'm like okay i chill out for a minute yeah i, mean, I saw some article uh the other day that uh Mondelez is going to be adding a whole bunch of information to their food packaging about like mindful snacking oh really to try 
try and talk you out of eating 20 Oreos at a time. Okay, I'm going to take a picture of that and get a tattoo of it on my forearm so that when I'm in the middle of eating my second tray of family-sized double-stuffed Oreos, (laughs) that I can just look down at that and go, that's right, I'm a bad person, and just keep eating them. (laughs) When you're holding holding a sleeve to your face and taking it down like a wood chipper, you can notice it. (laughs) Basically, the The number of times I've been eating Oreos and thought to myself, I don't even like how this tastes anymore, and I just keep throwing them in my mouth. The number of times that's happened in my life is very sad. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice power. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's a problem I have. There are two things I can't stop eating: cannolis and Oreos. Cannolis and Oreos. If there are Oreos available, uh-huh. they will be gone. Okay. People right. won't bring cannolis into the office anymore because they know no one's getting it. You just go just face first into it. Yeah, I'm like like bobbing for apples, except I can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, except for early death. Um. <laughs> oh, so one of the things I want to uh, talk because yeah. you guys are mentioning sweetness and stuff like that. So, you know, there's, there's a huge difference between sweetness and perceived sweetness. You know, when it when it when it you know when it comes to when it comes to mead. You know, so even with something like so at at homebrew con right, that um, you know, the, I had two meads there, and they were both. I think most people would consider them pretty pretty sweet just by the numbers. You know, like the finishing gravity in both of them was about ten forty five. Okay. You know. But there was enough acid. One of them I added uh, chipotle peppers, so it had the smoke, and um, it had uh, the pepper heat, and I also added pink peppercorn, you know, a little bit of spiciness, and that balanced out the sweetness. And the other one I added orange peel and a little bit of lactic acid too, and it really balanced out the sweetness as well. And there was, I mean, no, you know, and then I also carbonated it, which gave some car- you know carbonic acid, you know, as well. So I mean, no one was calling those sweet, you know. No, and ten forty five has been getting. Relating it to beer is a very, very high Some beers start at that. Yeah. Right, yeah. It, it's important to remember, yeah, again, you know, like, you know, so what you think you know about, you know, beer and brewing and stuff like that. I mean, making, mead making is, is, is very, very different. Right. You know. All right. So, uh, what, so we've, now, we've now reached, uh, we've now gone past the draft territory. <laughs> um, let's do Misto. So, this is a Boche. So, we talked about the, the you know, you know Boche meads, right? So, this is like a legit Boche by Misto. Um, this is another really, really awesome meadery. Um, they're in New York, um, you know, uh, you know, again in um, Carmel, New York. Oh yeah, that's, oh, that's not that far upstate. Yeah, I was gonna no. say that's pretty close. Yeah, they, uh, you know, you could definitely make a trip out of this stuff here. You want to do this one? Yeah, it's the most complicated corkscrew that's ever existed. It's, it's really not. <laughs> I just like saying it to bother him. I know it's it was not. more just with a microphone in my face. It was kind of like hard to. See, you know we Mark. I mean, Mark. Mark was someone I think would just constantly have the like the regular one. Like it would just be on him all the time. Like Mark <laughs> is essentially like a human EDC everyday carry. He's got you know <laughs> he's, he's got, he's, got a, he's always has a knife on him. Do your knife have two blades or one? You have the little it has blade. Two up, yeah, you have the little blade and the big blade. And then you always have a pen. Like every every beer meeting, we do a uh, a fifty fifty, and you just write your name on a five dollar bill and throw it in there. Mm-hmm. And every single time, I just hold my hand out next to Mark. You guys should do a uh, you should do like a instead of a fifty fifty, let's make a deal. Oh, we did that actually. We did that last so, did that with the so leftover like random, random objects like you know who has a you know, stick of trident gum or something like that, <laughs> and then you get it. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I tend to win the fifty-fifty though, so I, I want to keep doing that. That's I'm cool. not in school anymore because I used to have both a mechanical pencil and a pen. What? So this is the yeah. So this is the the this, uh, um, you know from Misto Meadery. Um, 
uh, M-Y-S-T-O, Misto. Um, this is the, the Boche, so this is the caramelized honey. So you're going to get a lot of the similar notes that we got the last one. So now what's the ABV on this one? Because obviously we're, we've stepped it up now, too. Yeah. These, are, these are now still... These are wine strength. Yeah. That's batch 12 and a half. Okay, yeah, so we, we, yeah, we basically doubled it. Yeah, right, right, right. So... In this one, you're going to get a little bit more of that, that caramelized honey character, right? So you get you get um, a little bit more of that dark brown sugar, um, you know, and... Uh, uh, I definitely you know, get that a lot on the nose. Yeah, musca- yeah. muscovado sugar. Big time. With that. that actually reminds me of like the, like a milder version of that of the panella we used for um, for the... You know, the least Belgian, Belgian? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of, you know, some notes of, uh, um, you know, uh, maple syrup. Yeah, maple syrup is a good one. Yeah. Carrick's telling us all about it. What do you I, think, Carrick? What are you getting? I definitely get a uh, maple syrup <laughs> uh, impression on my palate from this one. Yeah. You know, and it has none of those things. You know, it's just a honey variety, and it's 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 uh, caramelized honey. Yeah. <laughs> yep, you gonna, you're, you that's right. Like, Sugar. Are you going to, like, indoctrinate your kids to be, like, super tasters? You already have them in training doing like off session classes. No, no, I definitely haven't done that yet. But <laughs> Dorothy has helped me uh, brew a couple of beers at this point. So nice. yeah, I was doing. Uh, I I bought a bunch of different pears and apples to like, you know, bullshit my way through the BJCP. In exam. a few years, when we're at like the science project stage, it's pretty much just gonna be like lacto fermented vegetables and stuff <laughs> like that. Because bring your, sco- bring your scoby into school. For sure yeah, yeah, basically, she'll be walking on a leash. It's going to be doing her calculus homework. At that point, it probably weigh more than one of my dogs. Probably will. Um, yeah, my, so I had, we were sitting, they sat down with my son. We cut up the apples and the pears yeah. and we were eating them. And I kept asking him what they taste like. He goes, apple. I go, yes. I'm like, you don't write other notes. Hey, man, you know, that's, that's, that's good mindfulness. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, exactly. That, that whole metacognition, right? Yeah. yeah. They actually, a couple of times, he was like, this doesn't taste like the juice, or this apple doesn't taste like that apple. That's and I awesome. go, you know, at least, he, at least he was comparing the two of them, you know? It's yeah. pretty good for four. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I wrote down notes on what a Bartlett pear versus an Asian pear was. Yeah, you, you need to do that. So I, dude, I, the, stuff, the crazy stuff I used to do to, to study for the BJCP exam was like, I don't even know how my wife put up with it. Steph did think it was pretty amusing. <laughs> she, she was like, that's cool. I'm sitting here watching some trashy TV show. You can do that all you want. I'm watching some middle-aged women be really catty. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what do you think about the flavor versus, uh, you know, versus the aroma? It's pretty evenly balanced in terms of, you know, sweet versus acid. Um, and, and, you know, and tannin. Well, there's not going to really be any tannins. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, like, um, there's not as much of a disconnect with this one as the, with the, uh, the elusive moose. Yeah. It, you know, it has <laughs> a very, I feel like it. it has a really creamy mouthfeel. It definitely does, yeah. You know, very kind of silky, creamy mouthfeel to it, you know. But it's a, you know, the flavor definitely, you know, in the aftertaste kind of cuts out, you know what I mean? You get a little bit of alcoholic, uh, alcoholic heat. You do, you know, but then, warming in the chest as it's like the aftertaste, I also get like you know the impression of like a pure maple syrup. Yeah, oh, that, I, I, the aftertaste to me is like a little bit like burnt raisin, a little bit burnt raisin or uh, or prune. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say prune. I was gonna say prune. I definitely get it the has whole maple too, thing but, right back. And then yeah. when I swallow it, I feel like I, I it's, it's prune juice. I, I don't know why I decided to drink prune juice, but when Jake was little and we were giving him prune juice, I'm like, if I'm giving it to him, I guess I have to try it. And I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah, but it, you know, in a good way. You know, to me, in a yeah, in a, in a, in a, in a this is way. this is in a good way. Generally speaking, prune yeah. juice sucks. You know, I'm not sure the age of the bottle. I mean, some of this might be just uh, should, definitely seems like some notes of oxidation. I mean, uh, yeah, I I believe this was made August 2011. I mean, you know, this particular bottle. Yeah. 
Holy moly. That or it's batch 811, which doesn't really mean much. Oh, uh, yeah, Adam. I, yeah, I'd find it hard to believe. I don't I don't know if they've been in business that long, so. Maybe it's just batch 811, then. Yeah. Batch 8 of 11? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd be pretty shocked if he sent me an 8-year-old me. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, the, I, but I, whatever, and again, I, I, I don't have a frame of reference for oxidation in mead compared you know compared to a beer i can get it right away pretty similar there if they, yeah i think i was gonna say the the sweet note sweet notes that it's adding definitely yeah. give you that you know it lends itself to that maple syrup quality it's a little bit of a minerally quality i'm finding as well you know maybe it was the the water that they used um i like it you know i think it's pretty complex um you know i think the alcoholic heat is is right at the level that i'd want it to be at um you know yeah, the heat is actually, I think, part of what I like about it. Yeah, I think that it it um it drinks more like it, you know, the beverage you would you would think it would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it definitely has a noticeable warmth. I mean, you look at the legs on this thing. I mean, this I don't know what the residual sugar is, but clearly it's a lot. Yeah, it, the legs on this is like a, I, it's can. like a skin on the glass. Yeah, yeah, it's just very, very kind of slow, viscous, viscous legs on this, which is really, really pretty on the glass. You know, it's a great, it's a great meat. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, you know, and I think it, the does, is the sweetness intensified by the fact that it's a boche. Um, the perception, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I I don't know if the caramelized sugar is my pee. <laughs> I'm sorry, just laughing up at at Mark's Mark's daughter yodeling in the background. <laughs> <laughs> It feels very appropriate with the mead. Ricola. <laughs> um, I'm going to start doing interpretive dance in a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Only if you do that ribbon thing, you know, with the ribbon. You just walk around, like, dodging them over your head. You. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, it's some of the caramelization could, pr- could produce sugars, I'm thinking, that might be... Um, you know that the yeast might not have the enzymes to break down. I'm thinking, you know, and that's I was actually going to ask that question. So, what kind of conversion happens when you heat up that? I mean, when you heat that up, some of those sugars then turn into things that the yeast can't get to. Yeah, well, it's like any kind of sugar caramelization, right? You know what I mean, right? So it's you know a sugar to sugar reaction. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what the you know the the structure of a of, of caramelized sugar is versus a regular sugar or an inverted sugar versus a regular sugar. Right. You know, the, I don't that makes it you know more of like a you know polysaccharide or something like that i'm not sure um you know but i know that so i know that com uh, uh caramel malt can those those dextrins and sugars can be broken down by yeast right so i'm assuming that the same thing probably happened i'm assuming the same thing happens with caramelized honey as well that makes sense and also most wine yeast really are aren't even capable of broken breaking down multiple trios like Brewers yeast is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that that definitely makes a certain amount of sense to me. Right? Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, they they you know they're used to just dealing with you know with uh, um, glucose and fructose. Yeah. Right. 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 I was gonna say yeah, monosaccharides. Well, stop trying to squeeze behind me, and you won't hit your head on the chair. <laughs> your head doesn't fit back there anyway. You're a Williams. Did Mar- so I'm wondering. I kind of want to ask you something, Mark. What was your reaction to seeing 
the picture at HomebrewCon when they they splashed your 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 fake head picture in front of the entire audience of the oh yeah oh, I understand yeah, he didn't he didn't know that I missed that oh you did. yeah he didn't see. he that, was watching that's pretty Hollywood great too <laughs> yeah it was pretty amazing Flat Frank and you both made an appearance of uh, every uh, pi- every picture of it that I've seen on social media I have hashtag actual size <laughs> yeah he wanted we were trying to get uh, stickers made it was <laughs> put on there that says actual size nodding right I like that yeah like, yeah oh yeah. It's huge. He's, he's, he's a walking stop sign. If you want to see how big his head is, give him your hat and have him put his hat on your head. He doesn't <laughs> look that big. He doesn't look out of proportion. He doesn't look weird. He doesn't look like an alien. Yeah, but yeah, his yeah. head's about that big. Oh, yeah. Well, the oh, circumference well, in the head. Yeah, yeah. Well, so when both my kids were infants, you know, yeah. when you go to a doctor's checkup, they measure the circumference of the head, at yeah, least right, for right. like the first year to, you know, see how the kid's growing. Mm-hmm. And... For both kids, for a certain amount of time, like, okay, so the nurse would do, like, the initial way and the measurements and measure the circumference of the head and put it down. And then, invariably, either another nurse would come in or the doctor would come in and then recheck what was noted for the circumference of the head because they're like, that can't be right. (laughs) And they're like... No, okay. No, that's no, that's what well, it, was, it is. It was, what was it? Uh, it was like a hundred and seventeenth percentile at one point. Like, oh, I know, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Carrick, Carrick so, said, yeah. Let's see. So that that's my hat. Okay. Yeah. What, what would you have to put it on to, to first? Oh, the hat? last, the very last dot. Yeah. Let me, let it's me, always yeah, the last like dot. The last one or two of the of the hats to, to yeah. get to fit. That's why when we ordered hats, we have uh, very beautiful voyage hats. We had to get the ones that were um like the dad hats that have the have the like the. The, like the yeah. knapsack yeah. thing that folds yeah, through yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it, uh, this way, Mar- market market yep. have something that would hold on because I was unaware of this. If you put it on the w- on one, yeah. it won't stay. Right. All right. We got me the drink here, gentlemen. So this one um, is another one from WA Meadworks. This is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I see this. This is like the guest uh, taps. The uh, um, the black currant one, right? Yeah. yeah. So black currant meads are really, really hard to do. Um, black currants are super acidic. Um, thanks, Mark. So there has to be a, a ton of residual sugar in, in these bad boys um, to, to balance that acidity. To balance that acidity, you know what I mean? And and that's and that's really kind of important, um, you know. I, and I I, I want to stress that for people who are kind of getting an introduction to mead. That perception is is you know wildly different than actual numbers, you know. So this tastes sweet. This is versus you know what the sugar content actually is. It's a really great name too, Mitternacht. Yeah, what does that actually mean? Is it like a reference to some nineteen eighties film? I don't. I don't. I'm pretty sure it's something related to like Dark Knight or something along those lines. Oh, okay. Like you know, they have a lot of like pop culture references that I, I find really super amusing. Yeah, I'm not. Well, yeah. The, well, the the one with the peanut now they call anybody want a peanut. Anybody it's got, want a peanut? It's got uh, the scene from uh, Midnight uh, is Midnight in German. But yeah, that's. I knew it was something like that oh, okay. in German. Yeah, and and then, probably color color reference on the mead. I mean, even their T-shirts have like I feel the need for mead. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's phenomenal. Everything like that, you know. And they got. And, and if you ever go to their tasting room, they have pictures of all like. TV shows and old actresses. It's a, it's a nice spot. It's actually really nice. I go there with my wife and stuff like that. It's a, we we really enjoy it. There's a lot of light. The whole front is all uh, you know open windows and everything like that. You know, super clean place. Really nice bathroom. You know. Yeah, I love. Ha- I, I I haven't gotten. Haven't, my wife hasn't gotten there yet, but I've brought back meads and she's always into them. Um, I you know I just like sitting there and talking talking to Joe. 
or Bruzo is like my favorite yeah. parties. He's, you know, he's always always hanging out. It's always a hangout. Like it just feels like if it could be four or five other people at the bar, Joe knows all of them somehow without introducing you to them. Yeah. He does, and you're, you're all friends, and you're talking at the somebody's screaming at the Mets game invariably. Now, you, you could definitely tell that the dude's been bartending for you know for over a decade. You know what I mean? Like I mean the. What he's what he's able to to you know to conversate with people while like making up a mead and doing it in the slushy they, machines. They, oh yeah, and that's the other thing they do. They the meads they have some of their meads are in slushy machines, um, and they're delicious. Like they have like a so they put their pina colada mead in a slushy, so it's like you know it's a frozen drink. Um, yeah, and on Sundays I think right they they like take a dollar off the mead slushies to empty out the machines because they're not open on Mondays. Oh, yes. oh okay. I didn't know I didn't know that. That's, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. I'm pretty sure pretty sure there's like a discount on Sundays to. You know, until the machines are empty, basically. And, and if, and, if you go in there, fun. you'll 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 see Danielle from uh, Hand Grenades, and she'll tell you like the the ratio is to ask for for all the blends because she they live like her and her husband live like I don't know a mile or a mile from there, and they ride oh, their cool. bikes there, and they're basically there like every Saturday and I, Sunday. I, I would be too. Yeah, so it's uh you go in, and she's like, oh, you gotta have seventy five percent keeping it Lindy number two. Uh, 10% Mitternacht, and like, you know, you just go through, you're like, that's, you know, they, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty neat that they, they get to do that. So, so going back to the mead here for a second, right? So, you know, so this is uh, a 14%, you know, mead, right? So you're on the border of wine versus what they call sack strength. Sack strength is, um, the higher alcohol meads. Um, you know, so you're usually looking for a lot more expression, a lot more body, a lot more alcohol, um, in it as well. So the the berry on this is 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 to me very super fresh, um, but it's 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 uh you know not only like black currant, it's very kind of boysenberry. Um, I find a little bit. Yeah, it's uh it, it like I know you can't raspberry. Yeah, it, it it smells like a fruit compote with that that level yeah. of intensity. Yeah, I think that's yeah like a fruit compote. I like that. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 um you know all the levels on this are all medium high, you know medium high to high. There, it's very expressive. Um, and it's a still mead too. It still means there's no carbonation in it. The um, you know, so it's very kind of merlot like to me. I find. Yeah, I mean, the the honey balances the uh, the acid really well on the palate when I drink it. You mm-hmm. know, like it, it you get the acidity of you know what you would think of from berry, and then it sort of just gets a little calm. That I'm pretty sure that's from the honey. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I feel like you know I feel like this is like a really good expression of like a like a super jammy merlot. You know what I mean? Very, Mer- very Mer- Merlot-like. Yeah. Apparently, Greg is at WA Meatworks right now. Oh, nice. is he? Yes, because he sent me a picture of the two bottles that I left there, and he's asking me what the mystery bottle is. Oh. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's really funny. We're drinking We're drinking WA Meatworks beat. He's there. <laughs> you know, so this is, this is definitely on the sweeter end. Even the perceived sweetness is, is pretty high. Um... But the, the there's so much acidity from the black currants right. that it really balances this one out. Yeah, the finish is very. I feel the finish is more like even slightly acid. Balanced. Yeah, it, the finish is still pretty tart. Yes, and that that's just from the black currants. Yeah, I mean, and, and then we talk about mm. like you know, you know the legs on this and everything like that. I mean, it's it's like comes down on like you know just really slow moving legs. You know, it's a beautiful ruby color too. Yeah, it's a nice dark burgundy. You know, sort the, of color. It's one of those cases where you look at it and it it tastes like it looks, if you know what I mean. You can look at yeah. it and get an idea of, of what you're what you're getting into. Yeah, there's no discoloration. You know what I mean. It's a nice kind of bright red. The meniscus is is uh, nice and clear. You can tell it's very young mead. You know. That's a uh, 
that's my level shit. Meniscus? You can, no, I know, what it, I know what it means. I'm just saying, like, you look at the meniscus and you can tell whether it's a young or an old mead. Like, that's that's mind-blowing to me. Okay. <laughs> I know that it's not, probably, but I mean, it's not... I've heard a lot of stuff judging beer, and I've overheard people judging mead. Yeah. That's something that I hadn't heard before, which is, you know, I don't, not to say I've ever heard everything, but it was, I was like, wow, okay. Which probably means I'm wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm sure you're not. Um, but I think one of the things uh, I want to touch on here is that, you know, so misconception number, you know, 675, that, uh, that the more you age mead, you know, the better it gets, and that's, that's completely incorrect. You know, so like uh, uh, some meads, like beers, some some meads get more interesting, you know, with age. Um, but generally speaking, like you know, they're they're better fresh. You know what I mean? So one, two, usually th- you know, three months. I find um, if you're making like a wine strength, you know, or sack strength sweet mead, you know, um, maybe three months. You know, it'll it'll taste. You know, it'll it'll be kind of you know maybe maybe uh, you know hit a nice balance. Will that matter if it's in secondary or if it's in the bottle? Does that does that change anything? Uh, no. I mean, just bulk aging versus you know bottle aging and stuff like that. I mean, it'll still stay good, you know, for a real long time. You know, depending on the packaging. You know, packaging. You know, a lot of times with with aging with aging beer and aging beer. I mean, packaging is really the most important. It doesn't matter with the beer. I mean, imagine you know it, what matters the most is the packaging and that the packaging process is right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. It's the you know the when you can like you know, when you get uh, a bottle and you're judging it, you can kind of tell like you know wh- where's the headspace and all that other stuff. Packaging for any any beverage is going to be the number one thing in terms of how it ages. The amount of oxygen that you, for for any home mead maker, any home home brewer, the amount of oxygen that you're introducing into your to your mead, most likely when you're bottling, is is, is way more than any commercial you know uh, winery meadery brewery is going to find acceptable. You know, right, oh, right. Yeah. And that, again, goes into, like, the shelf stability, the higher dissolved oxygen yeah. content, the, the faster yeah. the, the flavor is going to degrade over time. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I should probably, so the, 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 the breweries that have the scientific equipment. To measure call, such things. Yes. You know, to, to TPO, you know, total package oxygen and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, the cool part is for even for the small breweries, a lot of the uh, mobile canners and stuff they measure that yes. and, and all that. So they, they help them out in terms of uh, making sure it's packaged correctly. Yeah, like, if you go to your local brewery and they're using like a beer gun, you better drink that within a week or two. Yeah, that's t- <laughs> exactly. that's one of the things that's interesting when you get a crowler. Like, yeah, okay, so they purge the crowler and everything, so it's going to go a little longer. But you're not that crowler is good for like you know well, two top, weeks yeah, like max max. max. And, and the top of that is not airtight. No, no, it's no. You, you should really be drinking that within the first. Like that weekend that you get it is really I would recommend the number of times that I've actually had the like a tiny leak come out of the seam of a crowler yeah. like it's probably like fifty percent. Hmm. <laughs> um, what uh, what's the next poison? Oh, um, so let's let's do this. Is one of my favorite meads. I, I love this mead. Um, I actually love it so much that I I, I made a uh, nice muppet mark. Well, you did say that if there was any left over, that uh, your wife wanted it. So, yeah. So this is called Murder of a Cro- Murder of Crows from Melavino. Um, and so this is uh, is it blackberries? Yeah. Black- I'm surprised that like Oma oh, Gang doesn't have an issue with them. Why they have that. they have a Murder of Crows beer? No, but like Oma oh, Gang is like the official Game of Thrones 
alcohol beverage producer. Uh, okay, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Well, I'm the I'm the person. No, I'm also the oh, person. Wait, no, then he's also the person. True. No, I'm I'm sorry. The name of the book is A Feast for Crows, not A Murder of Crows. But A Murder of Crows is just a term used for a gathering. The no- right, crows. A gathering of crows. Yeah. Yeah. So, never mind. Okay. All right, I've been drinking. Carry on. <laughs> this is what happens when you drink meat. No. Yeah, this is what happens. We've basically fast-forwarded to episode three. Yeah. <laughs> with I, with only five beverages consumed. I, I do want to say something, though, about, like, you know, people talking about you drinking meads and, you know, getting, you know, like, getting, getting you know, intoxicated and stuff like that. That, you know, like, you got to understand that, you know, wine, you know, wine strength meads should be drank like wine. Exactly. You know I mean, I think, you know... What's really interesting to me is that I feel like mead really appeals to more craft beer drinkers than wine drinkers. I have no idea why. It just does. You know, you really see that kind of crossover. So when a, when a, when a when a when a beer drinker sees twelve percent APV, they're like, "Oh man, this is like you know going to get you real tanked." And when a wine drinker sees twelve percent, they're just like, "Well, this is every single wine that wine I've ever had." I've ever had. It's know? actually probably on the lower, not the lower just end, the, but relatively low end. Right. Wine. So you're, you're drinking, move that bottle back. Drinking, you're drinking two to you know. You're drinking two or four ounces, you know, you know, depending on if you're sampling it or, or drinking a glass of wine or anything like that. But there's, you know, there's no reason that you know wine, wine is not more alcoholic than, than you know most, you know, uh, than any other you know particular fermented beverage. You know right. I mean? So, and yeah, and this is kind of why you see like the the craziness happening. You know, I live out by the wineries, right? So the craziness. Oh yeah. Like, that happens out there at the wineries. With it's the like it's like parties. people have never well, never had a drink before. Like the Riverhead Cider House is like notorious for that shit. Is it really? It's, oh yeah, they're trying. Yeah, every everyone like, that they, lives around there the, wants it to go away. Yeah, the the neighbors around there are, are like in a constant fight trying to get that place shut down. You know, the other thing is, I, I I mean, I don't know if it's it's any. I mean, I live around the corner from that. I don't think it's any worse than any other place, but it's just enormous. Yeah, the and number of people that can get in there is so crazy. I think that's probably like if I lived within a hundred feet of that place, I'd be like really super annoyed. It doesn't help that like uh, you know Jay King's the owner has like done all kinds of like exterior improvements and shit that he hasn't gotten any permits for. Yeah, I mean everybody does that kind of stuff out there though. To be yeah. honest with you, like no one gets permits <laughs> from out there. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the wild west. It's the wild east. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. It's it's, it's pretty awesome. You know. Yeah, they're still they're still working on like uh, you know laws from from when people had like wooden wheels on their wagons. Like no, no one, <laughs> no one really cares. The, the other day, my my so my wife works at Pindar. She was coming home from the wineries, and they had an alcohol checkpoint. In South oh Hall. wow! And she was just like, so her mind was blown. Like, oh my god, they're actually oh, pulling that, people uh, over. That was Vineyard Forty Eight. Because you, know, yeah. you know, chances are, you know, given 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 the the requirements of of a, of a Dewey on Long Island, like chances are. You know, you go to two wineries, and you know, even if you're the designated driver, like you're probably not passing that test. You know, yeah, just based upon like you know being around people, you're not passing that test. Right. Let alone like, oh, you I know have, having a drink. I yeah. had one glass of wine 45 minutes ago. Like, like, well, then you can't drive. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's true. The uh, the Riverhead Cider House has not hit uh, Vineyard 48 levels of. Uh... No, not even close. No, nothing no, has, nothing, nothing has hit Vineyard 48. All right, so this is Murder of Crows. Right, so anyway, we said it's blackberry, but it's um, one of the things I love about this is blackberry and black pepper. So very, you know, you know, capsov, um, super peppery quality to it. Um, I think that's right. Capsov's are peppery. Yes. Right. 
Those are the, you hit the two wines that I know I know something about. Yeah, <laughs> Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, so I, I just I, I just love the complexity of this of this, and I love I just feel like the pepper is is just um, just it's such a, a um, an amazing spice complexity to it. You really get the black pepper on the nose. I mean, it, it is it is extremely prominent. Yeah, this is it's, it's a beautifully made mead, right? So it's like Amy pepper, likes very rich, you know, very. You know, oh man, I I also get a lot of the, I got a lot of like, oh yeast, yeah the black character the black pepper on the nose definitely you know it almost smells like it was like it was like aged sirloin. Hmm. Oh man, wow, that is one of the most complex things I've ever like I've ever like drank yeah, or eaten. It's a, it's a beautiful mead and you know, oh yeah so, that 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 is very good. So this is Melovino. Yeah. So this they're is, in uh, Jersey. Yeah, Melovino Meaderies in New Jersey. It's 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 uh well I belong to their mead club. Um you you can you belong to you know the quarterly they ship and um one of the things that's cool things about their mead club is that you could uh, you get to choose your meads. Oh really? Oh, okay. so they give you that's a very list unique. Of what you want to be sent and you pick the bottles and you get to pick the you get to pick the bottles which is is really super nice and um. I mean, he's one of the. He's the. There's a reason he's the most award-winning mead maker in the in the in the commercial and probably home, um, uh, 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 mead maker in the country. You know what I mean? So yeah, but this is this is one of my favorites from him. I I, I get this every single every single shipment. You know, once a quarter. Um, it's amazing how well the acidity of the blackberries and the black pepper play well play together. They really scrape balance. Yeah, it's really interesting the way the. Uh like you get like the the sort of like tannin acid bite yeah. from the blackberry, and yeah. that goes right into the black pepper spiciness. Yeah, it just it blend it just blends together. There's no like you know separation between the two. It's phenomenal. Yeah, you know I love the honey sweetness, the acidity, the tannin, and then the spiciness from the pepper. I just it's just it's just got so many layers to it. You know the tannins really give it a very very wine like quality. Yeah, uh, uh, to it. You know, I feel like that a lot of people would drink this, and if I told them this was like a like a like a Long Island cop out, that I think they they would believe it. You know what I mean? Oh man, yeah, I can see why Kathy is into this. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love the way that the black pepper like just it prickles my tongue. Like I like I love black pepper. I put a ton of it on everything. Like when I get a bacon, a sausage, egg, and cheese. Yeah, I don't have them put any extra salt. It's all pepper. When I when I when I drank this mead, it, it kicked me off on like a black pepper kick. I started putting like tons of black pepper on like everything, you know what I mean? Like my pizza and my salads and you know, you know what I mean? my eggs and just a ton of like crack. And then it also I do that already. Yeah. Well, and it also got me into different types of black pepper. So you, I was like, just going to say about, that like, cinnamon, right? You know? What oh I mean? yeah. Like, oh, what's the difference in Korean? Ceylon, cinnamon, Vietnamese. Right. And then so this actually got me into like a whole rabbit hole of different types of different types of peppers and black peppers and stuff like that. You need to go to Reading Terminal Market in. Uh, in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. it there's a, a right in the right in the back left. There's a uh, spice shop, and you can buy everything by the by the pound or half pound. Yeah, and we got like three or four different um, black peppers, yeah. and we then we got a uh, the rainbow black pepper like put together. Yeah, it was it's phenomenal. I, I had a long conversation with uh, Sergio about this mead, and I, I tried to make it, and it didn't come out as good, and. Uh, you know, I was talking to him, and he's like, "Oh, you know, it's all about the black pepper that you use." You know, and I promise. He told me what he uses, and I promised him that I wouldn't tell anybody. But you know, so it's like a specific type of black pepper. You know what I mean? That he, he, he <laughs> this is how good that is. Amy just came in and stole Mark's glass. She stole yeah. the rest of mine. Yeah, yeah take, take take it, please. You know what I mean? So yeah. So Sergio, uh, um, 
Uh, Matula is uh, the, the owner and head meme maker at, um, at Melabino, and he's also the president of the American Meme Makers Association. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's the president. I didn't of know that either. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he really does a lot for the meme community and everything like that. So I would highly recommend, you know, you know, checking them out. Um, one of the other meads that I just want to give a plug that's not on Long Island is uh, Haymaker Meadery. Oh, oh definitely, yeah. no yeah. doubt. So Haymaker Meadery is in Pennsylvania. They're only about um, about two years old, I believe, or a year and a half old. And they're making some fantastic meads. And they have a they have a mead club. It's called the um, the Hive. Um, so so Haymaker, you know. I, you know, you can go to their go to their website. I would highly recommend checking it out and, and joining the Hive. It's super reasonable. It's like eighty bucks a quarter, um, and you get like you know four or five bottles. That's very inexpensive yeah. for a, a meat club. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, Adam is a uh, former LIBME member, right? Or you yeah. know, you so know. Adam Crockett yeah. is the meat maker. He's he was one of the best home meat makers that that I that I ever knew. Um, and then he went commercial, and his his meats are are, are fantastic. Yeah, what he, what he had at the kickoff party for um, uh, HomebrewCon was fantastic. I mean, you know, the the the, pe- the peanut butter one that he had was yeah. like right on the money. Yep. everything was was fantastic. Yeah. We'll we'll have to see how like everything plays out next year when we go to Sesame Place again. But we we should definitely try to stop by there. Oh yeah. no, yeah, absolutely. No, that would, that would be amazing. It was just a little too far away from where we were staying this year. Yeah, we'll try to stay right next door. Like now, now, when Steph and I go to Philly, we try to stay like with right next to Monk's Cafe because we know we're going to go there three times. So now we can try to do that. So the American Meat Makers Association in September of this year in Pennsylvania and Allentown is going to be doing uh, um, Mead Con. Um, so it's like homebrew con, but for mead. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, you know it's going to be happening in September. Go on the American Meat Makers Association page. You know, check out those tickets. It's 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 an awesome event. It's just like homebrew con. Um, Let me get some water, Justin. Yeah. Yes, I'll take it. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try to work it out to be able to go to that. Mostly just to you know experience more about meat. I mean, I need I have a lot to uh, a lot to learn. And drink it for I think everybody has a, a lot. Everybody has a lot to learn. <laughs> I almost did. I mean, so one of the things I did for the American Mead Makers Association is the first thing I did is I create a flyer of like what is mead. Oh yeah, and like can you imagine that like we're beer like what is beer? Wait, beer? What is that? What is wine? You know? Yeah, but for a large segment of the population, I would imagine that their only familiarity with mead is the recent Bud Light commercials. Yes, yeah, or, or like a Renaissance Fair. I get that a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so. true. We'll we'll be going there uh, sometime in September. All right, let's uh, let's go to another non. So there's a lot of great meads in New York. I would highly recommend checking all those out. Um, you know, so Enlightenment Wines is in Brooklyn. He has his own uh, tasting room. I guess we call it. It's like a bar, really. It's called Honey's. Um, it's a fantastic spot. It's a, yeah. It's in Brooklyn. It's not too far from here. Um, it's definitely a destination to check out. And then um, uh, A10 Meadworks is another is another really great you know Long Island meadery. Um, trying to think of like some of the other ones. You know, and so we talked about Slate Point already. You know. But the, yeah, these are all these are all really great. You know, Enlightenment's really interesting. Um, Enlightenment is, um, you know, really comes from like a like a wine background. He, you know, he does like pe- you know pet nat you know pet nat meads and another really interesting stuff. Um, I always find his meads to be super interesting. He was gonna, he, you know, unfortunately he was, uh, yeah, I didn't give him enough time. He was gonna send meads here for us to all try together, but I didn't give him enough enough time to ship them. The aroma on this one is really interesting. It definitely reminds me. Mm. Quite a bit of uh, some of the uh, lambics that I've had. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it is. This is a ch- uh, cherry chipotle meat. It's called, uh, what was the name on it? It's Charlie Cherry Chipotle. Oh, that's it. That's, that's the yeah. name. Okay. That's that's the name. It's from Bee Nectar. Yeah, right. it's funny that you mentioned that because I find that too. That so like a lot of like uh, a lot of like lambics and a lot of sour, um, they throw like phenol- like the phenolic like uh, four vinyl searing oil, which comes off as a smoky character. I, right. I find that pretty prominent, and so the smoky character from the Chipotle might be emulating the four vinyl searing oil. Possibly, yeah. That you're probably getting. This is incredible. It, I mean, it, it's very specific though. It's not just like smoky. It's like somebody spun their tires out and i'm smelling the results yeah that's that yeah i i get the same thing with a lot of sours you know what i mean so, but yeah check it out you got four you know it's like that that, that phenolic i just mentioned yeah i can i, I agree to you know it, it definitely has that uh the hint of that in, in the Probably background rubber. yeah yeah in the background but the uh on, on the flavor the uh chipotle and the cherry really marry well together yeah like it's a really nice amount of spice and the cherry really comes out um at the end it's almost like it reminds me of like a really good barbecue you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, like it definitely has sauce. Th- those aromas are definitely in there. The too. smokiness and then like a nice fruity barbecue sauce. You know what I mean? But I, like the smokiness also gives it, like a little bit of like meatiness that you kind of associate with like like it, it, to me it's like a, I could see pairing this with like a really good like rack of ribs or like a nice wow that, yeah th- this is really good yeah. wow man so this the, is yes insane. this is by Bee Nectar in Michigan um, you know as well it's available on Long Island they're distributed on Long Island by Remarkable Liquids. Um, the uh, the the cherry note definitely gives it that barbecue sauce flavor, like that that it, it comes in in the back just to give you the sweetness, yeah. And then you kind of realize it's the cherry just as you, as you let it sit in your palate. Yeah, like I, I want to go have like a like a like a nice rack of ribs there right after drinking this. Yeah, that's a, a pretty uh, <laughs> be a great compliment to this. Yeah, so, you know, so one of the things I'm trying to emphasize here with 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 hopefully everybody who's watching this or, or listening to this is just just the vast array of meads. You know, you go back to the first mead that we tried. Where it was like highly carbonated and had this lemony, citrus. It was dry. It was clean. It was crisp. But like you'd mow the lawn or do some yard work, or you're going out fishing with lawnmower mead. Yeah, it's like a lawnmower mead. You know, so you have something like this, which is very kind of meaty and smoky, and like you know what I mean. Something like in front of like a like a you could see like in the winter sipping it during you know after after dinner during and in front of a fire or maybe have even having it during the summer with some with some barbecue and stuff like that. It's very and that's what I'm trying to kind of impress upon people, just how versatile meads are. I mean, they're all over the place. Whatever, you know, people are doing really, really inventive things. I mean, boiling honey, you know, like a boche, boiling honey before, you know, uh, uh, you know, making a mead by boiling honey and caramelizing the honey mead. Like, that, that's, you know, crazy to think about that like five, six years ago. You know, and now everybody has, you know, most people have like a boche. You know, they're one, you know it, it's just very super interesting where, where this is going. Yeah, the the uh, level of invention, and especially the vehicle of honey to put flavors into, is so much. Uh, it's so much more of a. a cl- it's a cleaner palate than beer. Yeah. You know, beer. There's already styles. There's flavor coming from the barley. Yeah. And while everything does have the backbone of honey uh, in terms of mead, adding flavors to it just enhances. It has to marry well with that honey, but it can also um, carry the beverage. Yeah, it, 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 I, I think as the availability of mead, people are going to. More- you know, as they become more exposed to the different varieties and the, and the, the different inventiveness of the modern meat makers, that, um, you know, meat is going to become vastly more popular. Like, I got to say, like, someone as myself, like, five, six, seven, you know, seven, five, you know six, seven years ago, it's kind of like, I never find myself wanting to drink a meat. Like, I would say that. You know what I mean? I never found myself wanting to drink a meat. You know what I mean? 
Um, you know, I'd always prefer like a beer or, or, or something like that. And, and just the more you be exposed to it, it's just like, wow, this like mead fits into like literally every niche you can possibly imagine. You know what I mean? Like I want something like light and sessionable. I want something that pairs well with a like, you know, a great cut of beef. I want something that's a great after dinner drink. I want something that's, you know, in between. I mean, it's, it's just, it's all over the place. It's, it's amazing that the flavors that are available, um, you know, to you as a consumer, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. This the, the the last meet we have, which is the uh, uh, Buzz Squared from Nanny Moon Meadery, which you can go back to whatever episode I link to the show notes. There's no way I'm gonna remember that right now, where we where we had this before. I'm but, pretty sure Cliff was. Yeah, Cliff was on there. Yeah, yeah I know that. Yeah, Cliff was giving us uh, shitty facts about uh, about presidents that were completely wrong. Well, you yeah, was a history teacher, right? That that was yeah. a different episode, but yeah. Yes, exactly. There was the time that was the recording session, right? It's like Cliff from Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, well, yeah. you know, Normie. He couldn't be more the opposite of that in real life, but in this case, <laughs> factually speaking, yes, he was just like that. Um, this was the first mead that I had that had flavor and everything else, so it's kind of interesting that we're going to finish with that. But that it's, it's, you know, I do have to say that, like, I really like the heat level in the oh, cherry yeah. chipotle. It's, yeah, it really balances that. You can tell it's a sweet mead. I mean, you can tell by the legs and also by the by the aftertaste, but it doesn't seem cloying. No, they, the heat definitely balances out but it's also one of those things where like a lot of the time if i have a beer that says like oh the, there's this chili or that chili in it most of the time i end up disappointed in the heat level that's in it where this one i feel like is at a good level where like i definitely know it has chili peppers in it but at the same time it like it's not quite at like oh my god my mouth's on fire but it's definitely like okay yeah there's definitely some heat in there so there's also uh, uh, there's also black pepper in this as well I, I believe or am I wrong with that or was that one of their other ones I was gonna grab yeah the uh, the heat actually to me gives it a little bit of a dryness I, I, I guess what I was gonna uh, the, yeah. the point I was gonna make I don't think it has black pepper all right then I was I, I was looking at something else oh it, you're right it was uh, it was like the necro mango con or something like that um, that I was looking at as well um, but um was uh-huh. that, was it was pretty it? cool they have a uh, oh the sweet to dry they have, they have a scale yeah of, is that a little is that a little B on there? Yeah, it is a B yeah <laughs> what I find with what I find with pepper heat um, in terms of meads is not how much heat, but how quickly it dissipates. You know what I mean? I, That's I, a very I, good point. I find that very, very, very important. Yeah. That you can get a burst of heat, but people like pain. People might like pain, but they don't like it for a long, long time. Unless you're sick like me. And, unless you're sick like you. <laughs> the human trash can, as you called yourself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> me and me and uh, me and uh, Mike Napolitano. I, I can I can I can crush a can of cheese whiz and 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 a crave case, <laughs> but I don't like sweet meats. <laughs> Basically, yes. that's, I mean, relatively accurate in terms of the Crave case, yes. <laughs> I won't like it while I'm doing it, but I will do it. I'll hate it and hate myself at the same time. Yes. that is. I, I, had, I, had, a, I had a friend of mine back in high school. He, we, were, we, were, we were in a White Castle at like 2 in the morning. That's the only time you're ever in a White Castle. Well, this is true. No. I don't even know what I have. Well, or 6 in the morning. They had that open at 6 in the morning. And, and he was seeing how many White Castles he could eat. He was a big dude. And um, I think twelve is my max. He did thirty-two, <laughs> and we, when we hit twenty-five, the entire place stopped and started cheering him on. <laughs> and he'd be like twenty-six, and he's like twenty-seven, <laughs> and he's like Rawr. like eating it, and he's just like, oh god, I'm never so gonna get a girlfriend. He's like thirty. <laughs> 
like, yeah. and he hit 32, and everyone was like, yeah. So that's actually like more than a great like the, case. Yeah, he just like won the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah. I haven't, I haven't quite done that, but uh, I, and, I've definitely put some back. And then he got like those stomach bands later in life, so he's all right. <laughs> he's, he's doing fine now. He's got colon cancer. He's monsters. got colon cancer. Everything's okay. <laughs> it was pretty. It was a pretty awesome victory lap. All right. So tell. So Mark, this is all you. So I, I feel very honored that that your wife is sharing with us your your special mead. Well, to be fair, my wife didn't remember which one this was. This was definitely my favorite that we had when we were there. Okay. And this was originally uh, just for their club members, but we were lucky enough to purchase the last two bottles uh, after our visit there that we sampled. And like I said, this is, uh, I said before, it's uh, lightly sour, or at least it was. I mean, it's been two years, so it might be a little bit more sour at this point. Yeah, we don't know what this is right now. But it's aged on the, uh, they call them coffee cherries, but it's the fruit that grows around a coffee bean. And I believe it also has either coffee beans or coffee blended directly into it hence why it's buzz squared instead of just buzzed so it's pretty interesting that's how cloudy it is you usually like you see like like some pretty decent clarity on a lot of you know right and i think that might have something to do with the uh the sourness oh okay yeah yeah you definitely get uh it's kind of an even blend between the sour notes and the the coffee it's like a raw coffee on the yeah. nose in a good way not like you know Eating Folgers. Like, it seems more Brett derived. Yeah, so like a little bit. I don't believe the. If I remember correctly, I don't think that the uh, bugs are intentionally added. I think they just come from oh, the okay. skins of the uh, yeah. the fruit that it's aged on. Yeah, not that Brett is a bacteria, but right. Hmm. But yeah, I. This is still really good. Yeah, the coffee flavor I think has definitely calmed down a little, which makes sense over time. But it's still it's it's there in in kind of a, a rich chocolatey way. Yeah, I yeah I, I this is still my favorite from there. It's interesting, yeah. I mean the perceived the perceived sweetness is pretty high. I like the yeah the, the sugary the one that with the one with the heat. I'm, I'm with Amy. The one with the heat was my favorite. The behavior. Yeah, but this is this is still very good. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. I know. Are you going to get six bottles of DV behavior? No, that would be like 12 bottles, $400. Okay. You guys have any, any questions for me about meat or, or judging meat or meat in general or anything like that? You know, I have a lot of questions about judging meat. So yeah, so go for it, man. I mean, without how, you know, essentially, if you can compare judging meat to judging beer in any way, shape, or form, yeah. like, what is it, what are you look what are you looking for? I mean, I'm sure some of the flaws are the same, things like that. But you know, with especially without having made too many meads and just ba- ba- barely understanding it, right? What are you what are you getting at? Like when you drink when I drink a beer, like you, you always say, you can come up with the score almost right away. I don't know that I could do that with a mead. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, it, it is like beer in that you're looking for the, you know. Um, you know, you, you, uh, the first thing is, is, does the beverage work? And this is the same as with beer judging, right? Does the beverage work? You know, you're not. Does it not? Does it follow the, the style guidelines exactly? It's does the beverage work? Do all the components work harmoniously to create uh, a pleasant presentation, pleasant you know tasting um, experience? That's the first thing you're looking at. 
You know what I mean? Um, the difference between beer and meat is that, you know, that that beer has the, the guidelines and people use the guidelines as rules, even though they're actually guidelines. Um, so they could, they're able to fall back on those, you know, whereas meat, there's not really, there's really not, there isn't those, you know what I mean? You know? Yeah. The, the meat categories are much more open. Yeah, they are. They are open and they're more open for, uh, um, I guess you could say interpretation, but I don't know if I would say interpretation more of, you know, you know, um, your perceived values, I guess is, I guess is what I, w- what I would say. And, and this is why it's very important to me as a meat judge to know your palate. You know what I mean? So I like very, I'm more, I have a preferential to more acidic meads. Um, I would agree with you. Yeah, and I, but I have to check that and I have to say, so I I like this a lot, but it seems to be very, you know, I know it's high in acid and I know that um, I like acidic meads. What are your feelings on it? And that's why you're checking it with the second judge uh, that you're with. So I feel like communication is key, you know, for, um, for me judging, I feel like knowing your palate is super key. Knowing your preferences, knowing your sensitivities, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, with beverages, I think is 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 extraordinarily important. You know, with with meat as well. Um, knowing you know what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Knowing that you know the different, you know, knowing uh, um, uh, you know honey varietals, I think is also super appropriate. Knowing the differences between different types of acids, being able to tell like that's oh, more citrusy, you know, citrusy acid, or you know, is you know that I think you know also can help as well. Yeah, I know. I uh, I blew uh, Greg Kelly's mind. Uh, I think it was at the last club meeting. Yeah, because he was talking about. Uh, I guess he made a mead with uh, either apples or grapes. I forget which it was. So Tartaric or Amalica, rather. Yeah, but he was. You know, he was telling me. Oh, you know, he was talking to Adam Crockett from. Uh, well, no, he was. No, he was. Yeah, he made a, me- a mango mead. Oh, okay. And then it was about ciders. He was saying he can use a, use. A oh, beer. that's yeah. right. Yeah, it was the ciders. He was talking about, you know, he had taken Adam Crockett's advice to add uh, tartaric acid yeah. to, you know, basically give a cider that he and Jen had no, made, no, like, uh, whatever it was meat. missing. Oh, yeah. No, no. It was, it was for his mango mead. That was for the what he what he put the tartaric acid in. He was saying that Jenny could use it in her ciders, too. No, they he had done it with... It, well, Adam Crockett's advice was for the mango meat. I was I, there when he yes, did it, so, right, yeah. but Greg yeah. had applied that to yeah. a cider, yeah. and I said, why didn't you use malic acid? Oh, he right. was like, what? I'm like, malic acid is the acid that's predominant in apples, and it will increase the perception of the apple flavor to you. And he was like, Bleh. Right, yeah, except that a lot of people find that malic acid has more of a harsher quality to it. Yeah, I mean, but again, right. But that, that can be totally... Appropriate, depending. Right when we, yeah, or, but if you're misguided or wrong, it could be right. one of those things that just people have been saying for. I mean, I use I have malic acid and I use that uh, as the prime, like the pre acidifier that I use when I make my lichtenhainer. Yeah. I use malic acid okay. in the lichtenhainer to so, pre acidify the wort before I add the lactic. So it might be okay. It. It's something that I literally have never used malic acid just because I, you know, when I first the, the mantra has been yeah right, but it could be you know it could be. Right, and I know plenty of people will go through a malolactic fermentation process if they're doing a wine or you know something with a large apple component to it. They'll do with the separate malolactic fermentation to convert the malic into lactic because you know lactic acid is you know so-called softer Softer, and more pleasing to the palate. But I find that the malic acid really increases the 
perception of the Apple character in things. It, you might be no, right. Definitely. I mean, I feel like that's coming mostly from a wine world, you know what I mean? But it, you know, so maybe it's something that doesn't apply to sizers and yeah, like look, I love me a good sizer, you know. Oh yeah. Mark, well, I mean, that's a badass sizer you made. The, the last the spice one? one? Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. But to, to just get back to your question, I mean, there's there, I think there's I feel like me judges have to be more reliant um on their palate. Um you know, to an extent you know what I mean? Since it's such a wide berth, and they got, they got to, you got to know what you're talking about. It, you can't like, like look at the guidelines and be like, oh, you know, this, they say medium high acidity for saisons, and this is to me only medium, so I'm gonna deduct five points, which is like a crutch. I feel like that 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 I feel like new judges use the guidelines as a crutch when they don't really understand what they're trying to. Um, with, they don't really, they don't, they can't really verbalize what they're perceiving, right? You know, and there's not really that to hide behind with the with the mead guidelines. So, you, if you know, if you're, if you're, you know, the difference between me and a mead judge is, you know, you got to be able to know what you're perceiving and, and why you're perceiving and, and what need to be fixed. The understanding of the process. I mean, that's that it's more important, but I feel like because the guidelines aren't there to give general feedback. Or the you know the, as a crutch, it probably sounds like you know knowing the process is is even more paramount. Right, you can't you can't be like oh you know guidelines say that you know a um, you know a black currant mead needs to only be you know m- you know moderate to moderate high acidity and this is more high. You can't nitpick like that. No, but, yeah, you know, it's to, definitely not the detail in the mead guidelines. Right, so you're you're really what you're coming at is does this product you know work you know Mike Fairbrother from Moonlight um he cut he when I interviewed him for that article I wrote for the Beaches TV he talked about the totality the of the product you know so look at the totality of the product what is the total composition of the product right and that's where you should be coming up first right and then kind of deconstructing it piece by piece by what is what is making that totality what it is yeah he had mentioned something similar to that in that pan in the not panel but in the uh the talk that he gave at HomeRecon, he was talking about like you know does the entire beverage work if not what can you tweak in order to get it, everything into alignment essentially and one of the one of the hard things about mead making is that like so like the meat i'm making for the for the mead fest is just like <laughs> you know so i'm making like a like a mexican cake uh, you know, inspired me like a trace leches kind of thing, or yeah. well, okay. every time I add something, it, it affects what's already there, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like, all right, so I started out by adding like vanilla and like, uh, you know, like you know, like, you know, uh, uh, cacao nibs and uh, uh, and toasted chestnuts, and then I added like uh, different types of peppers, right? Guajillo, pasilla, uh, ancho pepper, and it's just like, okay, so the, the pepper quality is awesome, I love the pepper quality, but I'm not really getting as much of the of the, the, the toasted chestnut quality I want. So I added more like the toasted chestnuts. And now I'm getting more of the toasted chestnuts, but now I'm not getting enough of like the the pepper quality. So like I'm gonna add a little bit of cinnamon Shit, here to kind of peppers. brighten all up. You know, and then I add the cinnamon and now the cinnamon is like kind of muting everything and I'm like, oh, God damn it. You know what I mean? So I'm just, <laughs> You're I'm just, just playing ping pong with yeah, yourself. Right. So I'm just I'm gonna leave it where it is and then whatever happens to it, you know Just I, walk away. Yeah. Just <laughs> walk yeah, away. walk away. I'm gonna leave it where it is. But you know it took me a long time. It took me like I'm 41 years old. It took me a long time in life to realize that sometimes, uh, sometimes no action is is the best solution uh, to a problem. You know, taking yeah. you know. So <laughs> I can only mess this up more. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> you know, so, sometimes in life, sometimes in life, no action is the solution to the problem. <laughs> 
Well, I think that's a uh, a pretty good place to, to end off. I, I I agree. The um the breadth of flavor available in meat is in- intense. Yeah. So, um, I definitely uh, highly recommend anybody on Long Island check out WA Mead Works, and of course the uh, the festival on August third, two days from when you're hearing this, or you know, hopefully if you download this, you know, and you're that avid of a listener and you download it the, the day that uh, it comes out, great. Two days from that, yeah, exactly. Talking to you, Greg. And, and Jack. Can I just say that, and just once again, just remind everybody the meads that donated mead today, WA Mead Works and uh, 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 Slate Point Meadery and Misto Meads um, were, were the ones that donated the meads for, for this episode, and, and they're awesome, and, and really go check those places out. Yeah, we'll thank have, you very much. Very, yeah, thank you. We'll have links for everything in the show notes of the episode. Um, you should definitely check that out, and uh, I'll also add links to the hay, to Haymaker Meadery and um, anything else that we discussed. Here. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate both uh, making the mead today. It was uh, nice to see it again. It's the second time I saw it. I understand understood a lot more this time <laughs> than I did last time, which was good. And, of course, for bringing over uh, all the awesome meads. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com. On Facebook at www.facebook.com slash voyage and Twitter and Instagram at Beertastic Show, or send them a good old fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and cheers for local beers. <laughs>